Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all this morning. We are in part five of a series that we have called Jesus Encounters. Now, last week, when we talked about healing, I, I had a challenge for us to be able to lean into the presence of God, God as a healer, uh, manifest in our lives. And so we want to do a little different emphasis today that everybody in the room, everybody watching online, I, I'm asking you to make a promise today, all right? Will you make a promise? It's not hard. Go ahead and make a promise. I need you to take at least one note today. Even if you don't have a pen and paper, you know, open up your notes and your phone. I need you to, I, there's some things that we're going to be talking today that I need you to think about. And so as we think about Jesus as, uh, as showing up God in the flesh, last week we emphasized, you know, the spirit of God and having God's presence in our lives, uh, receiving him as our healer. But you know that Jesus also had tremendous amounts of teaching in the Gospels. And you know that the teaching of Jesus is supposed to have you to think. And if you and I think that we have extracted everything that there is to learn from Jesus' teaching, we are fooling ourselves. There is so much in the teaching of Jesus that will help us to live our lives, to describe reality as it is. Just to lean into these thoughts of God is so important for us. And it is, again, it's a little bit of the emphasis of our church. We, you know, it's very easy based on your personality to think, you know what, I just, I just need the presence of God. I just need the worship part. I just need to sense his presence in my life. I need to practice his presence. And some people can lean into that maybe just naturally as your personality. And some of us might be just, you know, I'm a real thinker. And you think about stuff, I don't want to sing for a half hour. If we sang for five minutes, I'd be happy. Get to the word. I want to take some notes. I want to write some stuff down. Now, you might lean into one of those naturally, but you need both. Can I get an amen? And that's what we want to emphasize as a church. And then that's what Jesus did. That Jesus worked miracles, but then he also had extensive teachings. And the teaching, the scripture talks about that we should be renewing our mind. In other words, changing our thinking. There are some ways that we need to change how we think. I, I don't think perfectly all the time. You don't think perfectly all the time. But when we lean into the word of God, when we lean into the teachings of Jesus, we can find the error of our thinking. We can find the error in the thinking of culture as it is. And so when we, when we think about and we meditate on the word of God, when we see the context of what was being taught, we can learn so much about, like I said, reality as it is. So as we're looking at Jesus, he always did the perfect thing. He said the perfect thing. He has the correct view on life and God. And so we have these four uh, biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that help us to see the life and ministry of Jesus and what he taught, just as we talked about and, and the scripture, in its totality, is very Jesus-centric. The Old Testament is pointing to the fact that the Messiah is coming. And that's what Christ means. Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one. So this Messiah is coming. And then when the Messiah shows up, his name is Jesus, and he did all of these wonderful and amazing things, and he's taught all of these wonderful and amazing things. So we want to have him as our Lord and our Savior, but we also need to have him as our mentor. He's the one that's discipling me in life. He's the one that's showing me how to think. 
And so that's what we want to emphasize today as we lean into the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Long ago and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And he upholds the universe with the word of his power. After making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That Jesus is the exact imprint of God. So how do we know what God is like? We look at Jesus. God, God spoke in the past by the prophets. The prophets were all pointing to the fact that Messiah is the coming. The Messiah shows up. His name is Jesus. The scripture tells us, man, he's the exact imprint of God's nature, uh, interaction that Jesus had with one of his disciples in John 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Show us what God is like, and everybody should ask this question. Every thinking person should ask this question. What is God like? The disciples, God, Jesus, show us what God is like, and it will be enough. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Bold claim from Jesus. And again, what makes this claim important to us and that we should lean into the teachings of Jesus is the resurrection. Again, you and I could predict a lot of things. But to predict your own death and to say I'm coming back and to actually do it, we should listen to what you say. And how you as an individual have split all of human history is kind of a significant thing. We should listen to what you say. Your words should be important. We should think that Jesus understands more than us. Wouldn't you agree? I think we should. That we should come to the teachings of Jesus humbly. Even the ones that we don't understand at the first reading through is like, I don't get what he's saying. We shouldn't think Jesus was wrong. <laughs> we shouldn't raise our intellect above Jesus. We should try to understand what he's saying. Lean in, have the expectation that the Holy Spirit will reveal God to us. That the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to us, actual truth, not just something I feel on the inside, because something I feel on the inside might be not an exact representation of the truth. Truth is separate from us. So week one, we talked about this encounter that Jesus had with his disciples, and he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That was week one. Week two, we talked about walking in the light, spiritual seeing, physical seeing. Uh, week three was about passing the test. In other words, cho choosing the right words to live by. And then last week, we talked about Jesus, the healer, having an encounter with the healing power of God. If you missed any of those messages, they are available online. I encourage you to go back and listen to them. So Jesus and his ministry, like I said, he ministered to a lot of sick people like we emphasized last week. But then, even with the teachings, even with those miracles, sometimes there would be an accompanying teaching. You know, somebody got healed one time, and Jesus turned to his disciples, and he said, I've never seen such great faith. 
In other words, something amazing happened, but then Jesus wanted to explain also something about life. So there was this teaching part, the experience part, and the teaching part, and back and forth, and we should want to understand the teaching part. So experience him and to understand his teaching. Now, when we go through um, one of the methods of teaching in the scripture, this is what we're going to be focusing on today, is we see this over and over again, is discovery by questions. That a lot of times people would ask Jesus questions and then he would ask a question in return without necessarily answering the specific question. What we are supposed to infer and what the listeners were supposed to infer, that Jesus was adjusting the question. That Jesus was adjusting the question somebody was asking. In other words, without actually saying it, he's saying to them, you're asking the wrong question. Here's the question that you should be asking. Here's the underlying thing. Here's the presupposition in the question that you're asking. And here's the question that you should be asking. Now, a lot of people call this the Socratic method uh, of learning or teaching. But I'm going to say that the book of Genesis... Uh, predates Socrates. Again, when you discover truth, truth works. And so this is a good method of learning things. This is a good method of teaching something is to ask questions, to ask those questions. Let me ask you a question. We saw this in Jesus' teaching over and over again. God asked questions to Adam in the garden. Where are you? Who told you you were naked? And again, it's not that God didn't know the answer to these questions, but it's a method of learning to ask questions. Jesus asked questions to his disciples. He was asked many loaded questions, a few of which we're going to look at today. A lot of times he would say to people, I'll ask your question if you answer my question. He would say to his disciples, who do you say that I am? He, he would say to people, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? We talked about that last week. So again, Jesus asking all of these questions, what is the purpose of Jesus asking these questions? Again, it's not that he doesn't know what's going on. That there's a method of discovery for us when we ask good questions. If you ask bad questions, you get bad information. And so Jesus, a lot of the time, would adjust the question, or I reject the question. But here's the thing that you're really asking. And what I would say in 2021, that followers of Jesus need to get really good at this. Because there's a lot of gotcha questions out there in culture. In other words, if you answer the way, here, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you answer the way I'm implying that you should, so you're going to give the wrong answer and I'm going to have the upper hand in the conversation. There's a lot of loaded thinking out in culture. And really, the answer that they're looking for is not even the question that they're asking. And we see this in the ministry of Jesus. We see people would come with questions. Jesus would change the question. This will help us in life. Will help us to go through life in the world that we live in right now. The wisdom of God is to discern what's really going on and what's really being said. The wisdom of God is revealed in those moments. The path to the answer is a good, true, 
agenda-free question. What's an, what's an agenda-free question? In other words, there's, 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 the question is loaded. So here's the, the quintessential loaded question in the marriage context. I'm sorry, this is the, the world that I live in. Your wife asks you a question. Husbands, here's the question. Do these jeans make me look fat? You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. <laughs> now that is not an agenda-free question. There's, there's a whole bunch of problems with that question. It's the wrong question. And husbands, here's my advice to you, babe. I don't answer questions like that. I just don't. I just don't. There's no good, healthy answer for us to have a good rest of the day. <laughs> so we got to reject the question. But for me as an individual, we got to be honest with ourselves. Am I asking good, true, agenda-free questions? If there's no agenda in the question that I'm asking right now. How, how I'm phrasing this. I'm not, I'm not going to imply seven things with my question. I'm not going to call into account your guilt with the thing that I'm about to ask. Those are all rhetorical games with no desire to find the actual truth. We should want to know the truth. We should want to know reality as it is. This is what we see in the te teachings of Jesus. Asking the right questions will lead you down a healthy road. So people would come to Jesus with tough questions. And here's one of these occasions in Luke chapter 13. Verse 1, there were some present at the very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Are those 18 on, the who, on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others? who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I am come seeking fruit on this tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should you use up the ground? And he answered, sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it, put manure and put on manure. And if it should bear fruit in the next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Now here's one of these instances, if you're reading through the scripture, you can read through that, and you can be like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what Jesus did. I think there's something important there, but I kind of feel like I missed the whole thing. And then he went into a story. I'm not sure that I get the story. Am I a tree? Am I in the manure? What's happening? I don't know what's going on. Now, in, in this context, 
when we when we see um, the, the very first thing that Jesus brings up. He talks about these Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And then he asks, and the, in verse 2 says, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So what happened here, we don't know exactly, but there are some extra-biblical sources that will tell us that a couple times Pilate, the leader, the, the Roman leader of this place, would go in, and then they would go into crowds dressed in plain clothes, some of the Roman soldiers, and they would kill Jewish people. Now, there was one, one of the suppositions that at one time, you know, Pilate did some extra taxation on the Jews to build something, and so the Jews were protesting. And so the soldiers would go in again dressed in plain clothes, and they would just start stabbing people in the crowd. Kind of a really bad thing. Or, or it could have been at a religious festival that they just blended in with the other Jews, and they just started killing people in this crowd. And so people are looking at the situation, and it doesn't make any sense to them. These were innocent people. Jesus says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the rest of the Galileans because they suffered in this way? So what is Jesus doing in this moment? He's going to deal with a bunch of the presuppositions of what they are asking. In other words, they're thinking, and we've seen this in other stories, these people that died, they were probably worse people, right? The reason why they were chosen in the crowd is because they were the worst sinners, and then the worst sinners, obviously, because look, this is a terrible thing. This is so unfair. And so for me to, to make this make sense, I have to think that these people that died, they were worse sinners than the rest of the people, because this doesn't make any sense to me. And Jesus answers the question, and he says no. But let's think about how Jesus is changing the whole thing being discussed. One writer says this, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. If he said about Pilate, he was sure to get there before him. If he, ignore, if he ignored this issue, the crowd would accuse him of being pro-Roman and, and disloyal to his own people. If he defended the Jews and accused Pilate, he would be in trouble with the Romans, and the Jewish leaders would have good excuse to get him arrested. What's happening with this situation? However Jesus comments on this situation, like I said a second ago, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Do you hear the political thing being discussed? Do you see the political context of what's happening here in this moment? Do you think we live in this world? We live in this world. This is the world we live in. I just don't know if the scripture is relevant. You just haven't read it yet. So however Jesus comments on this, there's going to be somebody who doesn't like what he says. Jesus moved the whole issue to a higher level and avoided politics completely. Instead of discussing Pilate's sins, he dealt with the sins of the people questioning him. He answered their question by asking a question. So here are some of the things that they're, they're, they're trying to figure out. 
Were these people worse sinners? Was this some sort of divine justice? Because these were the bad people in the crowd? Jesus, no. Because if they weren't, God's not being fair. Or existence is not being fair. I know how the world should work. Based on my judgments, this is not how the world should work. I correctly understand how the world should work. It's not this way. Why do bad things happen to good people? They didn't deserve to die. All questions that people ask in situations like this. What did Jesus do? Jesus changed the question. Jesus asked the necessary true question. That's what this message is titled, Asking Truer Questions. He changed the whole question. Jesus said to the people that are trying to figure this out, Jesus said to the people who are asking the questions and all confused about reality and all confused about the world and I don't get why this happened. He asked them the question, what do you need to repent of? And they're like, Jesus, no, 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 no. You're not understanding, Jesus. Here's the proper question. I need to have my questions satisfied. Jesus turned the whole thing around and asked the true necessary question. Where in my life do I need to change? That's what repentance means. Repentance means to turn around. And the idea is to turn around and go the way of God. So in other words, don't worry about this thing that there is no answer for. I mean, there's, there's some answers that I'm going to tell you in a second. But it's not the important question. It's not the actual pressing question. There's another question to ask. And part of what Jesus is saying to us in this moment with this, these two tragedies that he's drawing attention to, these unfair situations, the other one is just a, 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 a tower of Siloam. In other words, there's, there was a construction project happening and then the tower fell on them and they died. Were these the worst people because the tower fell on them? And partly what Jesus is asking the people and asking us by extension is how broad is my understanding about life or how broad can it actually be? How much can I actually understand about any given situation? Is my judgment, is my insight into this situation perfect? Do I see all things? Do I understand all things? If, if I answer yes to that question, what am I saying? I'm God. And we know over and over again, that's the problem in the scripture. And it is, it is the problem with man in general. That we look to our intellects and we just think, well, I, I know, I understand. I get this. I understand what happened there. Jesus is telling the people that ask the question, you, you don't actually 
know the question, you're not asking the right questions, that you don't understand as much as you think you do. Here's an answer from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 16, verse 6, talking about the, the choosing of King David. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's appointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward, but the Lord looks on the heart. God does. This is how God sees existence that we don't actually have access to. We don't have access to the motivations of people's hearts, and this is how God judges all things. And the scripture says that God is the righteous judge. Won't the righteous judge do right? God is the ultimate judge, and so when I set myself up is so that I can understand all things, and I can understand everybody's motivations, and I know all information, Jesus is wanting us to ask different questions. What he's wanting us to do in this moment is he actually wanting us to turn the question around on ourselves, which we don't like to do. Would you agree? Isn't it just easier to ask, what's wrong with everybody? What's wrong with everybody else? What's wrong with my wife? What's wrong with my kids? What's wrong with my employer, my employees? It's just, it just takes the pressure off because I see the world as it is. So I get to ask all of these questions. But here Jesus is turning around the question on us. So man has an insufficient vantage point. This is what the story of choosing King David tells us. God looks on the heart. We don't actually see the heart of an individual. So answers are discovered by asking better questions. Jesus answered, and how he answered with this question implied a few things, because a couple of things, that Jesus, do you think that there were sinners? Jesus is like, no. He's like, no, they're not, they're not worse sinners. You're not, look, you're not measuring it correctly. You're not judging it right. And partly what this tells us, as I talk about many times, is human tragedy is not telling us divine justice. See, we look at tragedy and we say, we say incorrectly, well, their God is doing something or God, they're a worse person than me. And so somehow they're a worse person and they're getting their due. But partly what we need to understand, and we need to understand from the scripture and, and the Lord's prayer will help us to understand this, that everything that happens in the world is not God's will. Jesus told us in the Lord's Prayer, he said for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, if everything that was happening in the world that was God's will, we would not need to pray that prayer. Are you with me today? So the, when we think about God's kingdom... Jesus is saying we should desire it as the world as it is, infected by sin and all these different things and tragedy. These aren't the will of God, so we need to pray for the will of God to be happening. So we don't, and that will help you with so many things. Tragedy. Calamity. It's not 
telling us something about that person that had the tragedy. It's not an exercise of divine justice. Do you, do you think that there were sinners? Jesus is like, no. Then what does he say to us? Unless you repent. He says, I don't want to talk about re, me right now, Jesus. I don't. That's not the question I'm asking. I want you to answer my question. Why did this happen? That's the question that I want answered. But here's what I would say. If you knew why, you still have to live your life. If that could be answered for you, which I would say that it can't be the side of heaven. But we know that it's not God doing something. It's not God doing evil. If you knew why, you still have to live your life. And that's why Jesus is turning the question around on them. I need you to think about yourself. I know, I know you want to focus on why the tower fell. And I, know, I know you want to focus on why these people died. But I need you to think about your own life. I need you to think about your own existence. And what was the parable? He said, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, found none. So what is this parable telling us? That God wants us to live fruitful lives. God wants us to live fruitful lives. But if you just get stuck in judging all of these human things that are going on, he's turning around, oh, he, he wants me to be fruitful. It's a more profitable question. He said to the vine dresser, look, three years now I have come seeking fruit on the tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should I use up the ground? And he answers, sir, let it alone. This year is like dig around and put manure on and then it should bear fruit well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. God is merciful to us. God is merciful to all mankind. We know that revealed to us from the scripture. So the better question at that moment when we want these big existential answers, Jesus says, here, I want you to think about yourself. Are you bearing fruit? Because again, even if you knew why, it doesn't help you live a fruitful life. Even if you understood completely why the, some sort of mathematical equation of this thing happened and this person made this choice and this thing went on and the enemy and the devil and blah, blah, blah. If you had all of that figured out, God still wants you to live a fruitful life. He doesn't want you to live languishing under bad questions. Jesus ignored the question and was able to speak to the heart of the matter. Those are the questions that we should want to ask. We should want to know the truer questions to ask. Because those are the better questions. And we should ask questions so that we can know the true answer. And we should ask questions that assume we that we shouldn't assume that we know exactly how somebody else should answer. If we ask the wrong questions, we don't get the answers we need about life and about God. 
Jesus was always able to see. And this is the challenge for you a little bit. With this thing that I'm showing you right now, as you're reading through the gospel stories, and you see Jesus doing this, ask yourself, what is the question that Jesus is asking? Because he's the one getting down to the heart of the question. Mark chapter 12, verse 13 says that they said to him, uh, and they said to him, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians, to trap him in his talk. Exact same as 2021. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinions, for you you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the word of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Listen to what he said, verse 15. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring a Daenerys and look at it. And they brought one and said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is on this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. So what were they trying to do? The scripture tells us they were trying to trap him. They were wanting, this is a good discussion for city groups, they were wanting him to be super political. And Jesus refused. Give to Caesar. What is Caesar's? Hey, this thing, this world system coin, this is actually Caesar's thing. We're, we're, we're going to give this to Caesar. In other words, we're going to pay our taxes. But then he added on to that, but give what is God's to God. He rose above the political rhetoric. Because we can just get down and dirty with it. And I can as well. But Jesus got to the heart of the matter. Asking, rejecting the question that they are at. We're going to try to get him. We're going to try to trap him in his speech. And partly what Jesus is saying here with all of this, and too, again, this is so relevant for us. Are we actually marked by God? Are we allowing our hearts to be marked by the questions God would ask us? Not the questions that we feel are so important, but what is God speaking to us? Because we can put this high priority on the thing that I want to know. I want to know this. I want to know this. We could get super political today. We could be, you know, here's the right arm. You could get you could get a C tattooed on your right arm to show how right wing you are. And you could get an L for liberal tattooed on your left arm to show how liberal you are. And then further left, you could get an NDP tattooed on your hand to show how far left you are. You could get a, a G tattooed on your foot to show how much you love the earth. I don't know. I don't know what you would do. And you're not getting a B for the block because you live in Ontario. 
great. The question is, are you marked by God? This is the question for followers of Jesus to ask. Am I prioritizing God in my thinking and in the questions that I'm asking? See, I can think a question super important, super necessary. It demands an answer. And then what does Jesus do? He's like, let me ask you a question about your heart. I know you want to make a big deal right now about taxes, whatever, have the discussion. But are you marked by God? Are you allowing God to speak to the recesses of your your own heart? I know it's, you could, in a situation with our worship team, you could look up at our team and you'd be like, I wonder who's really worshiping up there. Are they really worshiping or are they just singing? Are they just doing a thing? And you could do that, but it's actually the wrong question to ask. You should actually be saying to yourself, am I worshiping? This is it's a better question. It's not an easy question. It's more fun to just judge everybody else. Chapter 4, verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and a marrow, and discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Yeah, they need the word of God. I can tell. This verse is not for the thems in your life. This verse is not for the thems that you don't like on the news. This verse is not for the thems that you don't like in culture. This verse is for this them. It's a way better question. Now, were you saying, Pastor Brent? That I can't help anybody. No, we need to help people. We're called to evangelize. We're called to disciple. We're called to help people. But Jesus helps us with this as well, just the methodology of this Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how could you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and there is a log in your eye? You hypocrite. That's you hypocrite, and me hypocrite. Do you get it? It's like, yeah, there's so many hypocrites around. No, this is for you. If you can tell me more what's wrong with everybody else than what's wrong with you, this is for you. And this, the understand is for all of us. This is the point of it. Because the, the story's not done. He 
you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's not that there isn't a speck in your brother's eye. It's not that there isn't a speck in your spouse's eye. But the methodology, the approach, is to ask yourself the question first. And asking yourself the question, it should humble us a little bit when we get into these conversations that in the world that we live in can be so polarized. That if in the middle of one of those hard conversations that I can come in there with a humble attitude and just say, you know what, maybe we can ask some different questions. Maybe we could think some different ways about the thing that I, this is the thing that demands an answer. Maybe we can humbly step into those conversations like, well, let's think about something else. Let's think about this situation. Let's come at it from a different way. Let's ask ourselves some different questions. Do you see how that's a different road than the road our culture is on? Everybody entrenched, everybody angry, everybody throwing bombs at each other. That I would say that the way of Jesus is the way forward. Let's ask some truer questions. Let's pray today. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to every heart today. God, we just love you so much. We're so thankful, Lord, for the wisdom of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus helps us to think. God, the ways that we need to change our thinking and the ways that we need to change the questions we are asking. God, we pray that you help us to do that. God, we want to ask the right questions so we can discover the truth that you're wanting us to discover. We just thank you, Lord, that you love us and you give us mercy. We just thank you for your love today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hopefully you took at least one note in that message that you can think about it this afternoon. If you are here this morning, if you're watching us online and you have never said yes to Jesus, Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, God raised him from the dead to provide for you and I a relationship with God. That is the gospel message. That's the good news today, that we can actually have a relationship with God that starts today and goes on for eternity. That has to be, there has to be a starting place for you in that moment, that offer that God gives to us. We have to say yes somewhere along the line. Maybe that's you today. You've never said yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me to say yes to Jesus. Or if you're watching at home, you pray along with me as well. So church, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's pray this out loud together so I can hear you. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. 
So I say yes to that relationship today. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's congratulate those that did that for the first time. Hey, if that is you this morning, uh, we actually have some materials that will help you on your journey of faith. If if you're in the room, if you can just head to the info desk in the lobby, and they will be happy to give you those materials. Again, this is just a moment. Uh, Discipleship of Jesus is a lifelong journey. Or if you're watching us online and you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, please email us at info at thecitychurch.ca, and we'd be happy to send you those same materials that people are getting here in the room. Well, thank you for coming to church today and thinking along with me as we talked about the teaching of Jesus today. Uh, Have a great weekend. We will see you next Sunday. You are dismissed.